Welcome to the Weiner Milk Podcast, where each week we rewatch and review nostalgic movies and media from our childhood to see if they aged like wine or like milk. I'm Kyle. I'm Jess. And this week is Valentine's Day week. Valentine's week? I don't... Valentine's. I, I mean, it already has a day. I don't think it needs to even have a week. It probably could even go with just like a half day, you know? The pre-week to Valentine's Day. So this is a reminder that if you... <laughs> need to buy a Valentine's Day gift for a partner or significant other or family member, you should probably do that now. Reminder for myself. Because it's on Sunday. After this episode comes out. Luckily not Sunday when we're recording. Because I'd be screwed. <laughs> you don't need to get me a Valentine's Day gift, but now I know you definitely weren't thinking about me. I bought yours I was way back in November. I, I'm really thinking of you. That's why I nominated this wonderful romantic comedy, 10 Things I Hate About You. I really, really enjoy this movie. I like it a lot. I know you're probably, I know you're not the biggest fan of it, but I do actually really love this movie. I think I'd be a bigger fan of it if you just didn't bring it up all the time. You know, it's overplayed. We've watched it once in our entire relationship. That's overplayed. It's too much. It's not my favorite movie, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of it. I don't know. I, I like it a lot. And it kind of comes on the heels, um, or maybe not the heels, but it, it comes like right in that time frame where lots of movies were coming out that were either just rehashes of Shakespeare movies or like very heavily based off of Shakespeare mov- movies, Shakespeare books, plays, sonnets, their their plays, novels, their their plays, their comic books at the Globe <laughs> Theater. Um, yeah, comic books, Shakespeare comics, the classic. Yeah. So there's there, there was a whole bunch of them in the 90s. And probably into the early 2000s. And this is one of them. This is based off of The Taming of the Shrew. Yeah, She's the Man is um, one from the 2000s that's based on Shakespeare. That I think is a far superior movie. Did we say that Shameless was one as well? Or no? Am I completely making that up? Shameless? The TV show? Not Shameless. Goodness. Clueless. Yes, Clueless is based off of um, Emma by Jane Austen, not Shakespeare. Oh, not Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I just remember, I, I know there's a lot of them. There's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio that was literally just Romeo and Juliet. That was actually Romeo and Juliet. It wasn't based off of, it was just Romeo and Juliet in yeah. modern times, but they had like the full same script and everything. Yeah. So there's a lot of them in the 90s. This is one of them, but I really love this one. I love the cast. I know you're not a huge Julia Stiles fan, but I really love her. And also, obviously, Heath Ledger, but then there's Joseph Gordon-Levitt as well, and some of the, even the other background players, I can't super remember them, but I know that they're really pretty solid, so uh, I like this film a lot. It's really cute, it's really fun, and it's kind of weird. I actually didn't see this until college. I saw it for the first time, actually, like, the, oh my gosh, I think the day before I met you. Is the first time you saw this movie? Yeah. Wow. I still don't like the movie, though. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it actually was literally the... Uh, the day before I met you. Maybe that's why you have fond memories of the movie. It could be. It just set me down a path. I don't know. Still following. I don't know. I tried to be poetic like William Shakespeare, but I obviously cannot do that. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, isn't he the one that her sister ends up dating? I think so. Maybe. Because she's trying to date that guy who's like a total jerk. Jag. They probably say that at some point in this movie. I have no idea. (laughs) What do you love about the movie? Like you talk about it all the time. You have you clearly like want to watch it all the time. I really love Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger just as individual actors, but also I think their on-screen chemistry is really solid. I think Julia Stiles gives a really solid performance. I think 
it has one of the things that I mentioned that I really liked in Clueless, which is like those throwaway classroom scenes where they're just like in class and you get to like see a lot of the like what it feels like to be in high school, obviously dramatized and stuff. But I like those types of things. I think it's a fun high school drama. Do you, think, that reason. do you think it's a realistic portrayal of high school? Honestly, this movie's pretty, from what I remember of it, it, it's not really that over the top. Like, the stakes aren't really that high. It's just like a dude and a girl, like, will they, won't they, for a long time. Like, nobody gets murdered. Thank, well, you so know? that's good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, the, what the hell? It's a high school drama. No one got murdered in Clueless. No, I know. I think, I think high school-based uh, TV shows have really, like, soured me on all high school media you know like, fair enough I th- what is it pretty little liars and like the oc riverdale gossip girl like they're all so absurdly over the top and just like at some point you're just like i can't even enjoy this anymore that's like tv though the movies i think do a better job i think they do so maybe that's part of the reason that i also like it is like it feels like an actual story about humans and not like demigods mm-hmm and it has a pretty fun soundtrack. It's not really that long. Yeah, I saw it's only 97 minutes. And I was like, thank God. If it was two hours, I'd be in a real sour mood for the rest of the evening. Yeah, like it's, I don't know. I just, from what I remember, it feels pretty realistic to high school, like the high school experience. I don't think it's like super dramatic. The stakes aren't super high. They literally like go to class and stuff. They're not just, like, always hanging out at the mall. They're not all, like, super crazy rich and stuff. Like, I don't know. I just remember it being kind of fun. You know what? Kind You're of- shaming Clueless a little bit in this, and you really liked Clueless. Wait, I'm not I'm not trying you to You said they're Clueless. not all, like, really rich and stuff. No, I'm more saying, like, because I, I like how Clueless did, like, wealth. I'm more talking, like, the Gossip Girl and stuff type shows where it's just, like, obscene. I don't know. The things that they go through in this movie, from what I remember, just feel like things that actual high school kids deal with, which I like. Mm -hmm. And uh, the characters are super, super, super likable. I don't know. I don't know if this would count as like a coming of age in the way that they portray it. But like, it kind of feels like that for me with like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, like learning how to be cool and stuff and like Heath Ledger and like growing up and like, I don't know. I just like it. I just like it. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I asked you what you like about it, and you gave a lot of reasons why you like it. So you you thoroughly answered the question, I would say. But I don't know. So you're not a huge fan of it. What maybe doesn't speak to you as much? Oh, where do I begin? Oh, yikes. Um, I... Okay, for one, I am not the biggest Julia Stiles fan, and I don't know why. We just don't vibe. I feel like there's probably nothing wrong with her. She's probably a great actress. I just... Like, the prince in me she was in, and that's just, like, a a worse version of Princess Diaries. And I just, like, didn't like that movie. It was way too long for no reason. Really soured me on Julia Stiles. It's her fault. I she picked she the movie. It. She decided to be in it. She read the script. was like, yeah, I'll do this. That sounds great. She thinks she needed a, a job. She was, you know, at the top of the game then. She could have picked and choose, <laughs> chosen. Anyway, uh, I also, she has in that terrible Freddie Prince Jr., um rom-com too that i didn't like whether like in college i don't know i just feel like she was in so many of those types of 90s romance movies it was just overdone you know sure. but you know kate hudson was in a lot of like early 2000s rom-coms and she was charming you know i didn't get tired of kate hudson i got tired of julia styles though the first thing i saw julia styles in was actually the born movies hmm, i always forget she's in that yeah so she dies though spoiler 
Oh, gosh, you're just all over the spoilers. What well, if these movies never came out a long time? This whole podcast movies. is a spoiler for 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah, no, you're 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 true. So anyway, um not so, not the biggest Julia Siles fan in yep. general. What else? What else? I really hate when people sing. I do hate when people sing. <laughs> so that's I a big part of this. hate that scene where they're singing to each other or he sings to her. Yeah. Really don't like when people are singing in public. <laughs> Usually it feels like a scene where they're just trying to get the actor or actress to sing and, like, have, like, a breakout musical performance in the future. You know what I mean? I, I definitely know what you mean. I don't get that vibe from this movie, I though. don't get that vibe from this movie, but I still hate when people sing. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. Like, when the Disney Channel, like, shoves it in because they're, like, yeah, trying to sell like, a record. <laughs> yeah, this person's going to be the next, like, Hilary Duff in, like, yeah. the Lizzie McGuire movie. Like, it's so not necessary. Yep. Anyway, um, not a big fan of singing. I also super hate, like, large public displays of, like, affection. Not, like, PDA, but, like, where people, like, make a speech about why you should be together and you're in love. And, like, they, like, say in front of the whole school or, like, the whole gym or the Mm -hmm. whole mall or whatever. I hate that thing. It's Mm -hmm. a trope that I hate. I would be so uncomfortable on the receiving end. It does not seem romantic to me. It was hard enough to get through our wedding and say our vows in front of other people. No, I love saying, I love that we got married. I love our ceremony. But I just don't like that whole, like, hello, world, I'm in love, and it's you. You know what I mean? And, like, you go off and give all these reasons why. Like, it just, it feels, like, showy, you know? No, I I know what you mean. And the whole end scene is like, I don't even hate you at all. You know, and she's crying in front of her class, reading her poem or whatever. I kind of like it. I hate it. You kind of like it. I hate it so much. So those are my big things about the movie. I don't really remember Julia Stiles' character. I feel like they tried to force her into like a tomboy role and it was kind of stereotypy. Yeah, no, actually, that's a good point. I do remember a little bit of that. And I don't super like the way they portrayed that. But maybe on the rewatch, it'll actually age better than I thought. I just remember in the moment watching it, it was kind of like, eh. Yeah, because her sister is like the... Younger one. Younger, trying to be popular, like... Isn't the whole thing, like, her sister wants to date, and then her dad is like, you can't date until your sister starts dating because she's older. Mm-hmm. So she has, like, fake dating Keith Ledger so her sister can go to prom or something. Yeah, I think it's something like that. And he's also getting something out of it for, like, tutoring or something like that. I think I can't it's super remember. tutoring or something that he needs to get out of. There's, like, a mutual relationship there where they're pretending to date each other, and he's getting tutoring support. Yeah, it's it's something. I can't something you got out remember. of trouble with the school, I think. Maybe he's, he's like her school. lab partner. Can't remember. No, he's not her lab partner. I do. The only scene I like super distinctly remember is the paintball scene. Mm-hmm. Because I don't. Which paintball scene? Don't they like go to a paintball like arena and they shoot at each other and then they make out? Oh, maybe yeah. yeah I yeah, feel yeah. like that's this movie. It's been a little bit since I watched it, so some of the filler scenes are are escaping me. It's like the first time they're like, maybe I like this person. You yeah. know what I mean? It's fine. It's just not my favorite 90s rom-com. I'm actually like, I'm like a, a like a secret sucker for rom-coms. A secret sucker? I am. I don't think it's a secret too much. No? You've liked all the rom-coms we've watched. <laughs> like, you've voted blind on every single rom-com we've watched. <laughs> that's true. Is Dante's Peak a rom-com? Because I hated that it's like, movie. No, that's like an action-type, oh, sci-fi-type movie. It's terrible. Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> No, I actually, I like, I really like a lot of, like, what was the one where she, like, loves her boss, but her boss doesn't love her, and she's gonna get married, and then they don't get married, and then they get married to each other, and it's like a castle. What? You know that movie? What the <laughs> hell? A castle? Wait, the bo- Maybe the boss is getting married. 
talking about 27 dresses? No, I didn't care for that one. It's a castle. The castle is really throwing me off. Yeah, like they were going to get married in a castle. I might be misremembering that part, too. Talking about High Spirits? No. That's a great movie. We no. should watch that movie. Is a woman from um, True Detective, season one. Oh, Maid of Honor? With yeah. Patrick Dempsey? That one's great. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> get married in a castle. He's not her boss. Oh, just the, best friend. The boss threw me off. Wait, they're not... This isn't what we're talking about. Anyway, I'm a secret... You like rom-coms. I'm a, I'm a, like I'm a secret lover of rom-coms, so... It's not really a secret anymore. <laughs> no, it's not. We're publicly so declaring I, it. I really like this. I, there's something about it that just, like, my expectations get a lot lower. You know? Like, it, or not even expectations, but, like, I just become less critical. I'm like, oh, this is cute. I like it. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy, and that's, like, about as far as I go. So I'm going to have to make sure to really kind of, like, try to have a critical eye on this one. And like you were saying with... um julia styles character like making sure that the tomboyness of her character is is done well and stuff like i do want to try to go in with a critical eye because most of the time i watch these i'm just like oh this is so comfy i love it i just don't vibe with this movie yeah i really fair. don't it's totally fair but maybe you'll change your mind maybe. what would it take for this to be a wine for you if I, you enjoy it because I'd have you hate to it so much. I really, really <laughs> want julia styles and keith ledger to get together at the end and i don't remember like really caring yeah that was one of our big criteria from you've got mail. It was mm-hmm. like, it feels inevitable. It's done really well. Cause he's supposed to be kind of like a womanizer in a way, you know? Is he? That's what I remember is he has like a, an air of being very good with the ladies. I thought it was just like, he was like a badass, like, like a bad boy. Yeah. But not necessarily a womanizer. Maybe not. But I, I want to see how those characters. Like he has a, a delinquent record or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. Plays with lighters. I think the other thing, too, that might help is if the nostalgia factor is high, that'll yeah. probably make me want to vote wine more. But, like, with my gut, like, if I were to just say with my gut, I'd say this is probably milk. Because I, I just, like, I don't remember having fond feelings for this movie. I'm going in. I'm going to say it's going to be a wine. I'm going to I'm gonna really try to be critical on the characters. But I remember the actors being really solid. It being really, like, the pacing's pretty good from what I remember, too. There's funny jokes. It's cute. Good music. Good soundtrack. I think I'm going to like it again. But I will promise to try to be impartial. I vote with my gut a lot. Most of the time (laughs) I vote for these movies, I vote with my gut. You know? Yeah. So I I respect it. I just, my hopes aren't as high. Tell me about the movie, though. Yeah. So 10 Things I Hate About You came out on March 31st, 1999. It was directed by Gil Junger, produced by Andrew Lazar. It was written by Karen McCullough and Kristen, uh, excuse me, Kirsten Smith. It is based off of uh, The Taming of the Shrew by William Shakespeare. It is starring Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Larissa Olenek, 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 I don't know, Larry Miller, Andrew Keegan, David Krumholtz, and Susan May Pratt. The music is by Richard Gibbs and cinematography by Mark Irwin. Didn't want to leave him out. And comes in at 97 minutes, which is an hour and 37 minutes. I'm getting wow, better Wow, you really it. had to slow it I down almost, there to get there. I almost did 137. Oh um, my gosh. And it had a budget of $16 million, but brought in $53.5 million. And really fun fact on that, it was the number two at the domestic box office on its opening weekend, only losing to The Matrix. So pretty good. 
The Matrix still gives me nightmares. Pretty good. I'm not going to lie. We've got to do that for this podcast at some point soon. It's not that it's a scary movie, but it's a really scary movie. It's a it's a philosophical thriller. It really it's just an existential nightmare all wrapped up in one. I really think that the Matrix gave me my first ever existential crisis. <laughs> yeah, like I distinctly remember feeling panic creep in. You're like, oh god, what if this is all a simulation? No, for real, it really freaked me out. No, it's great. For and I had I had talked to my mom about it like for hours. Did you watch it like right when it came out when you were like seven? No, I think I was like 10 or 11 when I saw it. still early. But it, that was like my first existential crisis. I don't think this movie will give me an existential crisis. 10 things I, I hate about you. I hope not. I really hope not because you might be existential crisising about our love. So that would I be mean, sad. It's Heath Ledger. So. I mean, yeah, you know it when you put it that way. I might have an existential <laughs> crisis as well. <laughs> All right, let's get this over with. Let's see oh, how, how, how it goes. Try and go in a little more optimistic. Let's get this over with. I'm ready for this movie to be done. I'm like, this is Valentine's Day, and this is the movie you pick. You know what I mean? It's my Valentine's too. It is, it is. But I thought that maybe you would make a decision that we could both be mediocre happy with. (laughs) Compromise. All right. Well, with those really encouraging, optimistic words. I love you. Let's go watch 10 Things I Hate About You. I hate that you picked this movie. That's one of the things I hate about you. Oh, my God. biggest surprise of this whole movie is i didn't expect there to be a million letters to cleo live performances yeah i that was one of the things i loved about the movie is there's literally like just a live band but i never knew and connected that that was letters to cleo they were in that movie like three or four times performing yeah, one three two, i think three three i think because yeah. they're on the roof of the school at the end as well i love and that at prom. i love the closing shot where it's just like swirling around their absurd high school absurd i put their high school looks like hogwarts literally it's on top of a mountain over a lake it's hogwarts they if, go to school at hogwarts if it literally had a staircase that moved and changed i wouldn't be surprised i'd be like oh yeah that tracks i'd be like yeah Oh, Makes and your sense. potions class is next, right? <laughs> <laughs> that that high school is absolutely nuts. But yeah, for those of you who don't know, we are gigantic Parks and Recs fans. And uh, one of the main characters, Ben Wyatt, adores the band letters to Cleo. Yeah, when he's in his like depressive states, he wears our band t-shirts around and stuff. Yeah. And they're in the Unity concert in the show and stuff. So it's like, very fun. I like that Letters to Cleo is like getting their coin being in movies and media. I know, right? As themselves. That's pretty cool. Yeah. She also wrote a song to one of the Sonic games. Wrote and recorded a song in a Sonic game, which really, really was exciting for me. I mean, it seemed pretty chill, but I was just shocked. I was like, wait, that's the same band again. again. And I was like, they have to be famous. And then I was like, oh, wait, I rec- the last song I recognized. And I was like, oh, okay. When they... When it showed him for the very first time, I looked it up and I was like, yeah, that's them. Because I saw the the lead singer and I was like, she looks crazy familiar. That's got to be her. And it was. <laughs> Biggest shock for me, honestly. Probably the one of the few things that might make it a wine for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one of the things I really love about this movie is the soundtrack. The music is the most redeeming thing I think about this entire film. The, the music, music is made perfect. Me, yeah, the music made me so nostalgic. Yeah. I was like, wow. 
maybe I'll like, like it opened with Bare Naked Ladies for the opening credits. I was like, yeah. oh, hell yeah, I might get into this. And then um, that quickly fell downhill for me, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I, I really love the music. It just like ties it all together. It makes it really nostalgic. And then that ending scene, that like helicopter sink sequence when they're literally on the roof of the gigantic, like four story ancient school was really fun. My favorite part about the final concert scene, too, is no one's watching them perform. They're just on no. the roof for fun. My headcanon is that, like, that's just a normal Friday for them. My head Like, can- as they're going out into the weekend, they just have a, a local band playing for them on the roof. My, my headcanon is that Letters to Cleo was simultaneously filming a music video yeah. while filming this movie. Yes. And they got a really good deal on the music video because they decided to cameo in the movie. Yeah, like Lil Dicky saved that money. It's like a tack on, you know? Yeah. But actually, I misspoke. They're not a local band, though. They are from Boston. Yeah, that's across the coast. That's another thing about this movie I was surprised about is I didn't realize it was in Seattle. Yeah. And I kind of like it. There's not a lot of stuff in Seattle films, really. I don't think Seattle's like a highly featured c- city, typically, in movies. The Killing. Yeah, that TV show. It's like the, that's the only one I can think of, really. Seatless. Sleepless in Seattle. Okay, so two movies in the past 30 years. Two forms of media in the past 30 years. I'm trying to think of something else and I can't really. <laughs> oh, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. I think that's in Seattle. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's not much. Because mostly it's San Francisco, so. Mm. I was surprised, though. I thought there'd be more rain. Maybe that's a stereotype for me. Like, when I think of Seattle, I think about rainy days. And it was very sunny and beautiful there. Yeah, a lot of the days were very nice. Yeah. But anyway, why don't you give us... A quick rundown, because I think we have a ton to talk about for this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to say yeah. about this movie, to be honest. Want to do a quick rundown of the characters? I think that's helpful. Sure. So the main character is Kat Stratford. Yep. She's played by Julia Stiles. She's a high school senior. She's a younger sister, Bianca, who is a sophomore in high school. And they live with their dad, who is an OBGYN doctor. Um, I don't know if we ever learned his name. Just dad. Daddy, do- Daddy Stratford. Dr. Dad. Dr. Dad. Dr. Dad. Um, and their mom apparently like left them a couple years ago. And just Locked like caught right them out. left. Yeah. Left her pearls. She did leave her pearls. So that was nice of her, I guess. <laughs> um, so that's like the main family. And then at the school, Heath Ledger is Patrick Verona. He's like the residential bad boy. The bad boy. Mm-hmm. And other main players at the school, um, Joey Donner. Mm-hmm. He's like stereotypical 90s high school bully jock type person. Hottie model. He's like a model. Everybody wants him, but he's quite frankly an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other two players are Cameron, who has a huge crush on Bianca Stratford, Kat's mm-hmm. little sister. And Michael, who is Cameron's very fast friend. Yep. He's in the AV club and he's... One of the best jokes in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Michael. Michael's hilarious. Michael might be <laughs> one of the best characters. He's really funny. Uh, he really added to the movie quite a lot, in my opinion. Yeah. And I already forget the actor's name, but he did a great job. And he's in a lot of stuff. He was the dude from Numbers. That TV show. Oh, I totally forgot about that show. Yeah. I completely forgot about that show. Yeah. The only other two people that, uh, the only other two students was there was Mandela, who was Kat's friend, and then Chastity, who was Bianca's friend. Oh, yep, yep. Chastity and Mandela. They're not super featured. They're kind of like side plot stories. Miss Perky is the guidance counselor who I wish we got to see significantly more of. I thought she was the principal. 
Oh, maybe she was. I thought I she thought was thought she was the guidance counselor. She was wildly unprofessional. <laughs> I loved her, though. Wildly, unpro- <laughs> wildly unprofessional. And then Mr. Morgan, who was their English teacher. I liked Mr. Morgan. Yeah. I feel like they were trying to do something with Mr. Morgan, though. Might have been. But it was, uh, you know, full full cast of fun background characters. Yeah, that's like the main the main bunch, though. Yep. So, is that enough context for you on, on the characters? Yeah, the, I think that's good. The, the main big one players. are Patrick, Kat, Bianca, and Cameron. Yeah, and Joey. I was and, and Joey. You need yeah, Joey yeah, yeah. to move the story along. Yep. And to be attractive, I guess. I don't think he's that cute. I don't know. That was what they were setting him up for. He did have big guns for being in high school. There's no way this dude was of high school age when he filmed it. I think like, he actually might have been. I looked it up, and Heath Ledger was, from the people I did a quick look up on, Heath Ledger was the oldest. He was 20. Everybody else that I looked up, I forgot to look up how old Joey was, but everybody else was actually high school age. Like 18, 19? Yeah. Huh. Or younger. That's pretty cool. Great. I like that. That's a big plus for me. I like it when high school-aged people are played by high school-aged actors. Yeah, you don't get that anymore. I think, like, no. half the people from Pretty Little Liars were in their 30s playing high Literally, school Literally, yeah. I hate that. So, anyway. Tell me about this movie. Now that you made me introduce all the characters. Maybe you. Ready for you. My <laughs> Maybe you. I'm trying to help our listeners and inter- no. root them in the, the, the characters of this movie. Make you whatever you said. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So it opens with the bare naked ladies. Hell yeah. And it immediately, I was like, maybe this will be a wine. And then two minutes later, I was like, mm, I don't know. I'll have to roll it back and give it more thought. <laughs> <laughs> but it starts like panning over the city of Seattle. And I, I'm assuming they're in Seattle proper, but it might be a suburb. I think they're, the idea was that they were probably in like a pretty nice neighborhood of, of Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. And all the homes must be, like, multi-million dollar now. They're, like, right on the sound. Oh, my God. It was gorgeous. The, the view that some of those houses had, I was like, oh, my God. And they had, like, the big wraparound porches and everything. Incredible. It was literally, like, white picket fence, American dream type, stereotypical yeah. looking neighborhood. So, immediately, like, you get this, like, cute little scene of, like, 90s bopping. And then yep. immediately gets cut. And we skipped over to Joan Jet music instead. And it's Julia Siles pulling up in her car. So it's just showing the juxtaposition right away that, like, Julia Siles is, like, edgy and doesn't give a crap about anyone. Yeah. And she listens to Joan Jett and not the Bare Naked Ladies. It, it, this song is explicitly the I don't give a damn about my bad reputation song. I don't give a damn about your reputation. Nah, yeah. nah, that one. Yeah. I knew it was Joan Jett. I couldn't remember which one it was. But, yeah. So it's, like, Bianca's in her car with her friends. And then Julia Siles pulls up next to them. Cat. Mm-hmm. I don't that think Bianca change. was in that car. I thought it was, but no, maybe I'm wrong. No, it was just kids. Anyway, so automatically, Kat gets out of the car, rips on the prom poster. You know, she's moody and edgy and mm-hmm. doesn't care about what people think about her. Cut to the, I thought the principal's office, but maybe it's the guidance counselor. Oh, let's go with principal. That's more fun. And little Joseph Gordon-Levitt, a.k.a. Cameron, mm-hmm. he's a brand new student. He moves around a lot. His family's in the military. And she's, like, giving him his schedule. While also writing an erotica novel. So good. Like, literally so talking good. about, like, quivering members and stuff. It's it's fantastic. It's hilarious. Wildly, uh, wildly unprofessional. Yeah. Like, no. reading it out loud while kids are, like, in like, the office. It's getting so feedback good. about it. It's so good. Oh, gosh. So that's how we meet Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And um, he's going to get shown around the school by Michael, 
who is with the AV club and they become very fast friends. The This is, like I said, my favorite joke in the whole movie, though, where Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like, Michael introduces himself. He's like, oh, cool. You know, normally they send one of those audiovisual geeks. <laughs> and then this dude pushing a cart with like a slideshow and like all this stuff on it goes like, hey, Michael, <laughs> how do I do X, Y and Z or something? Yeah. And the guy goes, Michael, and just walks away. It was great. And the like the comedic timing that he had on that was really solid. Yeah. Favorite joke in the movie. Pretty funny. It's like a very stereotypical like intro to high school. Michael gives him the tour and he's like, there's the jocks and like here are the Ivy Leaguers and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I wrote tropey click intro. <laughs> yep. Uh, and this is where Cameron spots Bianca for the first time, Kat's little sister. Yep. And it is love at first sight. He's very attracted to her, basically. Yep. Knows nothing about her, but he's in love. <laughs> oh this is a whole back and forth about Michael saying she's vapid and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Cameron saying like, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. She's deep. I'm sure of it. Which mm-hmm. is what Michael says, though. Good luck with that, though. Everyone knows that the Stratford sisters aren't allowed to date. Yep. So he's like. You should go fish in another pond, basically. In my notes, I accidentally wrote, Cameron is smitten with Michael. I mean, I was smitten <laughs> with Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite what it was, but that would have been really fun. Um, um, anyway. <laughs> meanwhile, flash over to the principal slash guidance counselor's office, and we have Patrick Verona, Heath Ledger, coming in. He's in trouble. He exposed himself in the cafeteria. He's like, it was just a joke. I didn't really do it. It was just a bratwurst. I was messing around with a cafeteria worker, which... Still not okay, in my opinion. It, it for sure, is better than actually showing his penis. Yep, yep. Still probably sexual harassment. Definitely sexual harassment, yep. yep. I would, as someone who had to sit through a lot of trainings at the law firm about sexual harassment, <laughs> that is definitely <laughs> sexual harassment. Not because I uh, had to, but because I worked at a law firm where we had trainings. I feel like that might have been confusing. Not because Jess was doing things inappropriately because the people she worked with did, which mandated frequent sexual harassment Yes, yes. Yes. But without that background context of my past career history, that might have been confusing. Like, I was mandated to do these (laughs) trainings. (laughs) But I did learn from them, and that would be be sexual harassment. Yes. Yes, it would be. Meanwhile, though, the teacher is editing her erotica novel and putting in the word bratwurst as euphemism for penis. So she's like actively getting ideas from her students about. It's so good. It's so uncomfortable. We cut to um, Julia Stiles in class, in her English class with Mr. Morgan. Basically, we just see like Julia Stiles is very opinionated. She doesn't shy away from confrontation. She calls Hemingway an abusive alcoholic misogynist, which, you know, isn't too far off the, Mm -hmm. the mark. This is where we're introduced to Joey Donner, who's a jerk. And he, like, immediately starts, like, calling Kat, like, rude names, essentially. Very rude names. And Patrick's character, like, comes in, comes out of the classroom, like, oh, we're still talking about Hemingway? And he, like, dips. Yeah. So you just, again, more character development of Patrick doesn't give a crap about school. Julia Stiles is very intelligent, but very... um, Standoffish. I would say, like, she definitely likes to be contrarian as well. Yeah. And Joey just sucks. Joey sucks. So Kat sends to the principal, again, helps the principal with her erotica. We find out that Kat also apparently kicked a kid in the balls so hard that he had to get his testicle, like, retrieved. Testicle retrieval operation. Another really good joke. Yeah. So they're, really, they're kind of setting up Julia Stiles as, like, a feminist, but also a man-hater. A violent feminist. Like, they, they push her too far, yeah. I, I feel, in the feminist category. Meanwhile, Joey Donner, the jerk in the classroom, he catches eyes for Bianca, too. 
Yeah. And he makes a bet with his friend that basically he's going to sleep with her. Yeah. And his friend is like, oh, you know, they're trying to make a bet, put money on it. And Joey's like, oh, no, I'll do this one for fun. Kind of gross. Yeah, definitely gross. But he's got his eyes on Bianca and so does Cameron. So just keep that in mind. Typical Shakespeare. Lots of like interrelated romantic interest, interests. Yeah. yeah. But meanwhile, we find out that Bianca is looking for a French tutor. And Cameron's like, I'll be your French tutor. I don't know anything about French, but I'm going to learn it so I could be around her. Which was pretty great. He actually did like try to teach himself French too. Mm -hmm. to her which was pretty wonderful and so as like joseph gordon levitt is cameron's creating this plan then joey's like giving bianca a ride and bianca's clearly smitten with joey Mm because he's like a popular kid and they actually at this point michael explicitly points out cat to cameron saying oh that's your girl's sister and he actually calls her a shrew at this point Mm -hmm. so again that reference the taming of the shrew yep um and says that she used to be popular yep so anyway there's a scene at home of cat bianca and her dad and we're just introduced to her dad's character this time he talks about how you know he's delivering babies to these 15 year old girls and this is why there's two rules in their house no dating until you graduate and no dating until you graduate yep Dad is just very concerned his daughter is going to have sex and get pregnant. Very concerned. Very, very concerned. Brings it up in multiple ways. He's the protector of his daughter's virginity, basically. So this is this is the other thing, too. So this is where the rules change, though, because Kat is like, I have no interest in dating. Men suck, basically. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do. So her dad gets this bright idea. Instead of him being the bad guy, mm-hmm. he's going to make Kat the bad guy. So he says, you know what, Bianca? You can date. When your sister starts to date. Clever. Horrible parenting. No, yeah. Definitely not good, but it was clever. (laughs) Horrible parenting. So now it's like pitting the sisters together because now there's there's a change in the rules. Mm -hmm. The game has changed. Once Kat starts dating, Bianca can start dating. And Bianca really, really wants to date Joey. So we're back at school and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Cameron, I can't stop calling him Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I know, I know. And he looks so like quintessentially joseph gordon levitt he doesn't age really no he looks exactly the same yeah anyway he's tutoring bianca he's trying to ask her out and she's like no i can't date till my sister dates so now joseph gordon levitt cameron (laughs) he knows about the rule change so he starts to like hatch an idea so him and michael get together and they're like we gotta find someone who is willing to date cat because that Mm -hmm. means i can get with bianca so they like do like they want to find someone, quote unquote, extreme, mm-hmm. who is willing to risk their lives by dating Cat. I don't know. I don't know if that was the full in- implication there was risk their lives, but somebody who'd be willing to do it because she has a reputation. Yeah. Anyway, so they hold like this audition, basically. Um, they can't have any sheep is the words that they use. And they're just striking out. Nobody wants, once they find out what the job is, they're like not interested in it. So then they spot Patrick. In his lab class, just, like, stabbing the frog that they're supposed to be dissecting. <laughs> with a butterfly knife. <laughs> yeah, and, like, like lighting his cigarette with the Bunsen burner and all yeah. this shit. Just, like, not giving a crap about anything. The best was he was paired with, like, this punk kid. And the punk kid, like, grabbed his cigarette and put it out and was like, no, that's too much. We're in a classroom setting. <laughs> it's too far. It was too really far. Good. So Cameron, like, tries to approach Patrick. It doesn't go well. He, like, drills a hole through his French book. <laughs> And uh, Michael, who's the brains of the operations, like, no, we need to find someone who has financial backing because we can't just ask him to do it. We need to get him money. So, Patrick, 
we can pay Patrick to date Kat so you can date Bianca. But they don't have the cash. No. But Joey is rich and he's kind of an idiot. So they're like, they hatch a plan. Michael approaches Joey and is like, oh, I, I see that you're trying to get with Bianca. But, you know, she can't date till Kat dates. That's the new rules. So he, like, plants the idea that he should pay Patrick money to date Kat. So. Good idea. Terrible idea. There's well, so mean, many problems with this idea. No, no, no. It, not an ethical, moral idea. But, like, means to an end. Not the greatest idea, though, because they know Joey wants Bianca. Yeah, that was the misstep. Yeah, and yep. Bianca is clearly into Joey. Mm-hmm. So. So Joey pitches the idea to Patrick. They settle on 50 bucks, basically, for him to do this. Patrick approaches Julia Stiles at practice, approaches Kat at practice. She really shuts him down, basically. She's like, I'm sweating like a pig. I'm running around like, go away from me, basically. Gets shut down. There's a flash over and Bianca and Kat keep getting into a tiff about dating. Bianca's Mm -hmm. wearing their mom's pearls. Kat gets really upset about it. There's just conflict in the home, understandably. That her dad, it's her dad's fault. Yeah. There's a couple more scenes of like Patrick trying to convince Kat to go out on a date with him. It doesn't go well. She's kind of flirting back, though. She's got, you know, wit. And there's a little bit of repartee. Yeah, there's definitely a witty bender. But she keeps, yeah. like, shutting him down. They're, they're like, at a bookstore. They're at a music store. And, like, you can tell Patrick's kind of into the chase a little bit. Yeah, he's, like, slowly starting to be like, hey, mm-hmm. this is fun. So here, here's where it gets a little bit more complicated. Cameron starts, like, giving advice now to Patrick. He's, like, trying to get insider information about what Kat likes through Bianca. Because now Mm -hmm. Bianca's in on the plan. Yep. And they're feeding Patrick information about things that Kat likes to try to get her to actually go on a date with him. So the big thing they're trying to get Kat to do is to go to this party. Because Bianca wants to go to the party and see Joey there. Cameron wants Bianca to go to the party so he can try to get with her. But in order for Bianca to go to the party, Kat has to go. So exactly. the new plan is Patrick has to get Kat to this party. So essentially, like, Patrick follows Kat to this concert she wants to go to based on the insider information from Bianca. Mm-hmm. And he, like, plays at the charm. He says he quit smoking because he knows Kat doesn't like smokers. He's pretending he's just there and wasn't there for Like, her. oh, I like this song, too. Like, I like this music, which is Letters to Cleo performing. Yeah. Um, you know, and he tries to, like, you know... Played up like they have a lot of things in common. Yep. And he, he asked her to go to the party and she doesn't say de- definitive no. He's like, oh, okay, I'll pick you up at 930. And mm-hmm. she's just like rolling her eyes at him. Meanwhile, it's the night of the party and Bianca is like pleading with Kat to go to this party because she really wants to go. Because her dad is like, well, if Kat goes, then you can go to the party. Mm-hmm. And um, Kat does give in. She's a good sister. Yeah, she, she is. She is a good sister. In her way. She cares about Bianca. So she does give in, and Patrick ends up showing up at 932. She's like, why are you here? He's like, I said I'd pick you up. Yep. So they're going, they're all going to the party together. One thing to note about this party is it's not a real party. It was just like a cheese mixer for the financial club, and Michael and Cameron doctor the invite to make it into like a rager. Yeah. Also, Michael had some nefarious, uh, nefarious motives because... Um, he used to be... In with them. Yeah, and he got kicked out. Yeah. Because he bought his eyes odds at a mall or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Something, something, something stupid. stupid. So at the party, like, Cameron's trying to talk to Bianca. And, like, Bianca has eyes for Joey. And this is kind of where Bianca starts to realize Joey sucks. Because he only talks about himself. Yeah. Um, and Cameron is very hurt. Because he's like, I got Kat to go on a date with this dude. And, like, you're not even giving me the time of day, basically. Yeah. Meanwhile, though, Kat is, like, very pissed about being at this party and just starts slamming tequila and starts dancing on a table. 
And, like, Patrick swoops in and, like, pulls her off the table and, like, takes her outside for fresh air. And he, you know, like. She also hits her head. Her. And he's worried she has a concussion. Yeah. And you actually, it's. If you are to have a head injury when you're out, like intoxicated, it's extra bad. There's yeah. some research because your blood is so thin, you can have more of a brain bleed. Mm-hmm. So that's why falls when you're drunk are very dangerous. Yeah. So they're outside because Patrick's trying to k- take care of Kat. And Cameron like kind of approaches Patrick and is like, the jig's up. You know, uh, Bianca likes Joey. It wasn't worth it. And Patrick is like, well, if she's worth it, you should just go for it, basically. Yeah. If she's worth it, she's worth it. Yeah. And he was like, gives him a little pep talk. And Cameron yeah. kind of like, is like, okay, yeah, I'll go look for her. Meanwhile, Kat is wasted. And they start walking, like, up a hill to get a breather. And, like, they're kind of having a conversation where she's like, you're not really all that bad. Mm-hmm. And you think they're going to kiss. And then she throws up on his shoes. <laughs> yeah. And she was very drunk. So Cameron ends up taking Bianca home mm-hmm. because Joey wants her to come out late with him. And she's like, hey, he kind of sucks. She's like, I have a curfew. I can't go. Yeah. I'm so sorry. But she could tell she just doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. So Cameron drives her home. Cameron's pissy. He's basically like, you're selfish. I set up this date for Kat and you don't even want to hang out with me. Mm. And then she kisses him. Yep. So Bianca's into Cameron. Cameron's into Bianca. All is well in the world. Meanwhile, Kat is trying to kiss Patrick again because he drove her home because she was wasted. And he says we should do this another time. Respectable. Yeah. I think it was because she was like pretty drunk, but also because he was getting paid and he's like, I don't want to. I actually like you. I don't want this to be the reason we're kissing. That feels icky. Oh, I took it as because she was just really drunk. I took it as both. Okay. Either if it's either or it's a it's it's a good thing for him, though. Yeah, he shouldn't. I mean, she just threw up. Like, yeah. She's clearly commendable very, either very way. drunk. She, he shouldn't be kissing her. Um, especially because it'd be gross. Especially because of consent. Yeah, but also throw up mouth. <laughs> especially because of consent. I'm going to just say that again. <laughs> anyway, Kat gets pissed, though, regardless of the reason. She feels very rejected when he won't kiss her, and she, like, storms into the house. So, basically, the next day at school, everyone's teasing Kat about her dance. You know, because she was, like, really breaking it down on the table. Yeah. Uh, she's not a bad dancer. No, she danced really well. She actually was a pretty good dancer, I, I yeah. will say. I would not have those moves. Bianca, meanwhile, is giving Cameron the eyeballs. Um, that was cute. That was a cute scene. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of high school love. Meanwhile, though, in order for Bianca go- to go to the prom, which she wants to go with Cameron, Cat mm-hmm. also has to go to the prom. So now they're scrambling because they're trying to get Patrick to take Kat to the prom. And Joey is, too, because Joey also asked Bianca to the prom. Yep. So Joey's, like, paying Patrick extra, trying to get Kat to go to the prom. The problem is, though, Kat hates Patrick right now. Yeah, he's on the shit list. He's on the shit list because he didn't kiss her. So, like, they're all trying to scramble to figure out how to get Kat and Patrick back together, basically. Oh, and meanwhile, her English teacher assigns them an assignment where they have to basically write, like, some type of sonnet for class as a class project. That's going to be important at the end. So they're all supposed to write a poem in iambic pentameter. I love how she, like, says it's a good... She's like, oh, no, this is a really nice uh, assignment. I like it a lot. And he thinks that she's, like, bullshitting him. Yeah. So he's like, get out of here. Go to the office. She's like, what? I like it. Yeah, the teacher, because she's always, like, criticizing stuff. The teacher's, like, confused by the compliment. (laughs) It was really good. So, okay, so basically Patrick has to 
figure out a way to get even with her. And I believe it's Cameron who says, well, you embarrassed her. You have to embarrass yourself in front of her. Mm-hmm. And she'll forgive you. So while Kat is at soccer practice and the whole school is basically done on the, the football fields, he takes over the AV system with the help of Michael and the AV friends mm-hmm. and sings, I love you, baby, to her and serenades her. And gets the marching band to help. Mm-hmm. That was pretty fun. That was the forced singing scene. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't the worst. It was But it wasn't great. <laughs> he's not I a bad like singer. It. No, he's a good... But he's also not so good that you're like, oh, come on. You know? Yeah. It was like a, a dude singing. Yeah. It was nice. I liked it. I thought it was, it was cute. It was fine. Anyway, <laughs> he's in detention, though. I don't know why that would get someone in detention. You would definitely go to detention for this. For hijacking the AV system and stuff. It's not like he was, like, cursing out people or anything, though. He was singing. From experience, he would get in trouble for that. I don't know. It seems, <laughs> it seems dumb. I agreed. Whatever. So he's in detention, and Kat is, like, trying to jailbreak him out of, out of detention, because she she was into it. She liked the move. It worked yep. on her. Someone singing to me would not work for me, but it worked for it her. It worked for her. And uh, she flashes the detention teacher, basically, to distract him, so Patrick can sneak out the window. Not great. So they spend the afternoon together. They paddle boat on the sound. They do some paintballing. They have a big kiss. Yeah. They're kind of sharing stories like, oh, is this rumor true or false about you? And going back and forth. Mm -hmm. And then he asks her to prom. And she's like, why are you pushing this? I don't really want to go to prom. And he's pretty insistent on taking her. And she kind of is like, no, I'm not going to go with you. Mm -hmm. So there's still trouble in paradise, but at least they're getting along again. Yep. Meanwhile, Bianca is pissed because Cameron's not really asking her out. And she really wants him to take her on a date. So there's a cute little scene of her speaking in French with him fluently and, like, berating him. And he's, like, looking through his notes <laughs> to see what she's trying to say. Still with a hole in his French book, too. hmm Meanwhile, Kat and Bianca have a little bit of a heart-to-heart. And Kat basically warns her, like, hey, I know you're into Joey, but Joey sucks. And we dated for a month in ninth grade when I was popular. And we had sex, and then I wasn't actually ready to do it, so I told him I didn't want to have sex anymore, and he freaked out at me, basically. Yeah. And ever since then, she's like, I don't do things just because other people are doing them, which is why I'm, like, true to myself. And Bianca didn't really take it well. She was like, just because you made a mistake doesn't mean I'm going to make the same mistakes as you. You can't shelter me. I didn't take it quite like that. I thought she was more saying, like, that sucks. But, like, you still need to let me, like, experience life. That's definitely what she was saying. But she was just, like, she did say directly, like, just because you made a stupid mistake by having sex with someone doesn't mean I'm going to make the same mistake. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Not didn't, great. didn't really like that phraseology. But I think the, the gist the was gist what was you were okay. trying to say. But her delivery was terrible. At some point, though, Kat does tell Patrick she'll go to the prom with him after yeah. this conversation. She's for, like. For Bianca's sake, basically. Yeah. Essentially, she's like, I'll go with you. So. Bianca goes to the prom with Cameron. Cat mm-hmm. leaves and goes to the prom with Patrick. Joey shows up later at the Stratford house to pick up Bianca, and she already left. Which was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he had the douchiest outfit on, too. Mm-hmm. He looked great, but he was really douchey. And Cat uh, at the prom like apologizes to Patrick for questioning his motives this whole time. Patrick has letters to Cleo who is also performing at the prom, play... No, they come because he asked them to. Okay. Is the insinuation there. He orchestrated letters to Cleo to come to the prom, and he plays, like, their favorite song. 
he tells Kat, like, the reason he was away from school last year wasn't because he was in juvie, because he was taking care of his sick grandfather. They were bonding. And then all of a sudden, Joey confronts Patrick right in front of Kat, basically being like, I've been paying you all this money, and now Bianca's with Cameron now. Like, what the hell, basically? Like, I'm paying you to do something for me, and it's blowing up in my face. Like, why is she with this dude and not me? Yep. And Kat overhears that and is understandably extremely pissed. Mm Mm-hmm. At this point, Joey walks up to Cameron and punches him in the face. Mm-hmm. And calls Bianca the B-word. Mm-hmm. And then Bianca gets super pissed and then punches Joey in the face three times. Once for her date, once for her sister, and once for herself. Yep. Then Kat, like, confronts Patrick. She's pissed, understandably. He tries to kiss her. She slaps him, runs away. I don't know. I don't think she slapped him. I think she just, ran, like, pushed him off and ran away. Yeah. Why, I don't know why he tried to kiss her in that moment. And then Bianca witnesses this, and she's she's big sad, because she thinks Kat and Patrick should be together. <laughs> big sad. It's the next day. Kat's pissed. Still. Very understandably. Very understandably. Uh, Bianca, like, thanks her for going to prom. Her and Cameron are cutie patooties. They're, Doing like, good. solid. Yeah. Bianca's going to go sailing with, with Cameron. Um, Kat's still pissed understandably her dad checks in with her he's like you know you're an adult now you need to make your own choices and he like gives her a blessing to go to sarah lawrence in new york which is like a point of contention for them yeah because he didn't want her going to school across the east coast so there's some closure there with her family as well yeah so the next day they're at school joey has a black eye cat offers to read her iambic pentameter shakespeare poem to the class it's basically a love letter to patrick talking about all the things she hates about him and then it ends with her being like, I don't actually hate you at all. I really love you. And she cries and like runs off. She doesn't say I really love you. She just says the worst part is that I don't hate you. Not even a little, not even at all. Basically, I love you. <laughs> in fewer words. And then it's the end of the school day and there's just a guitar in her car because Kat had shared previously she wants to start a band. Mm-hmm. And it's from Patrick. He took all the money Joey gave him and bought her a guitar. He says he had some extra cash lying around and they share a hearty laugh. Mm-hmm. And then they kiss. And then she's like, you know, every time you mess up, you can't just buy me a guitar. And he's like, well, maybe a drum set and a tambourine one day. <laughs> and then Letters of Cleo plays music off the top of the school. And uh, that's it. They're in love and they're kissing. That's it. Letters of Cleo is singing. Bianca yep. and Cameron are good. Joey has a black eye. Yep. Her dad's cool with her going to school in New York. Mm-hmm. It's closure. That's it. Lots of closure. All tied up in a bow. That's the movie. So I want to start with one of the things. It's actually kind of a neutral, but I did like it that you just referenced with the closure with her dad. Mm -hmm. I thought her dad was kind of like a little bit over the top in what they were setting him up to be like this. This very like nervous, controlling dad who delivers babies and doesn't want to deliver his baby's babies. It was like over the top for sure. But I did love the redemption little monologue he had where he was telling her that cats had him on the bench for years. And when she goes to Sarah Lawrence, he won't even be able to watch the game. I thought it was cute. I thought I, I, it was good that they gave him a good redemption. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it excuses all of his problematic behavior. No, it doesn't. Like it was definitely over the top, but like I liked it. And they did that at a couple of times with different people, which I thought was good. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things that I loved about this movie was that Bianca was great. She didn't, like, need a dude to save her. She immediately saw that Joey was pretty gross and distanced herself from him. Like, made a good decision. Like, good in terms of, like, not going with the the gross guy, but somebody that potentially she 
could share a better relationship with and then is the one to like beat the crap out of him at the end. I did like that. Cameron doesn't rescue her. No, not at all. Which like, I, I liked because Cameron Cameron's character also bothered me a little bit. Like she was set up to be like that ditzy princess stereotype, like high school rich girl stereotype. And then pretty early on, she broke that stereotype, which I thought was good. Yeah, well, she's also Kat's sister, and Mm -hmm. Kat's supposed to be, like, a strong woman as well. So, you know, runs in the family, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I just like She got more of Kat in her than people thought, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I I just really liked that, because I think some parts of this movie set up people to be pretty stereotyped, but she broke it, which I thought was really good. Because that was probably the one that would have been the hardest to swallow would be her just being written as like a really weak girl i i hate that stereotype from the 90s Hmm. anything else you liked i have a ton i have a ton of likes let me see i i I have to go in order but i didn't write them in order so that's troubling Mm -hmm. um like i said earlier i love that they were believably high school aged just helps a lot it's an easy one to get right so just do it you know some of the jokes were really funny, like the rumors around where Patrick was and what he did was really funny, that he ate a live duck. And then <laughs> Michael was like, except for the beak and feet, you know, and like, <laughs> oh, my God, they went and like they like go to a biker bar to find him at one point, And he's like drinking a very large beer. And Michael goes to him, should you be drinking alcohol when you don't have a liver? And oh, they, there was that rumor that he like donated his liver or something or, or like got in a fight and got a knife i don't remember something why. happened to his liver either yeah. he like sold it on the black market or something i don't know yeah and he just looks at him like what and he's like never mind some of those jokes were really good similarly michael was just great he was a super strong character michael was hilarious the soundtrack was wonderful like i said the redemption was good i liked how bianca and kat's relationship evolved i thought that was very believably sibling where it like ebbed and flowed and then they had like a heart to heart at the end. I think it unnecessarily was forced to evolve because of their dad's bad parenting though. But that can also be realistic. No, for sure. People aren't I mean, people aren't always good parents, especially when your wife of presumably at least sixteen years walks out on you. Longer because Kat was eighteen, probably. You no, know, she well, was in ninth grade when they left. Oh, when, that's her, right. when their mom left. So Somewhere in that range, right? Yeah. No, no, for sure. That, that that makes sense. I don't disagree. I liked their, I feel like their sister resentment type thing relationship was pretty realistic between siblings. Yeah. Especially when you're so close in age. Yeah. And like only two years apart and you're both girls and stuff. Like, Or just going to high, the same school together and having to run in similar social circles. Yeah. That was realistic. So like there was, for me, there was a lot of pretty good stuff in there like it was acted well some of the writing was pretty solid i'm guessing part of those were probably where they where they leaned pretty heavily on the shakespearean stuff some of the characters were cute it had quick throwaway scenes here and there about the high school experience which was kind of fun like i said in the intro what i remembered of this is that it it felt high schooly and that does that did kind of stick for me here Like, nobody in this movie was like, you're not a high schooler, or this isn't a relatable high school experience for the most part. For the most part. My guidance counselor wasn't actively writing erotica around me as far as I knew. That you know. That I know of. (laughs) Well, she wasn't asking me for feedback and asking me for (laughs) another word for engorged. She asked her, like, secretary that. Yeah, but then Kat walked in and overheard it. Yeah. And she was, like, swollen? 
That was the worst part of the movie for me. I wanted more of her. Not actually the worst part of the movie, but she was hilarious. I loved that character. And she was only in like the first 10 minutes. I think she was um, the woman that plays Juno's mom in Juno. Yeah, she's in a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. She's in a ton of stuff. So like there were there was some some fun stuff. I had I had a good time watching it. It was fun. It was a cute rom-com. Julia Stiles and uh, Heath Ledger, I think, were good on screen together. Their relationship de- definitely didn't come across as inevitable or something like that. Um, but they did a good job on screen. They had great chemistry. I would agree with pretty much everything you said. There was some really funny jokes. Yep. There was also a lot of jokes that were very much in poor taste. Yeah, so um, I figured that's probably the thing that, that we needed to, to spend some time on. Yeah, I would say, though, like, some, some of the jokes were really funny. I would say... Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger did have great on-screen chemistry. They acted very well. And I think they did a very good job with the script they were given. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. So they, they, I think they did a phenomenal job. And they did have good on, on-screen chemistry. However, I feel like their relationship, like Kat and Patrick's relationship, was pretty shallow. Yeah. I think partially because it just didn't develop until the very end. Yeah, like, it did not feel inevitable. I wasn't, like, rooting for them to be together at the end. Honestly, no. like, I, I could have, like, if she never got with him again, it might have even been a better movie in some ways. Yeah, it, it didn't, the stakes weren't necessarily there, but maybe they didn't need to be, I don't know. But I think Julia Stiles honestly had a really great performance in this movie. I, I really liked her her performance, she especially did a, in spite of the script. She did a good job considering what her character was written to be. Like, I have some issues with her character, but I don't think it was poorly acted. Yeah, And I think she actually rounded it out probably a little bit better with her acting. Yeah, I do too. Because she added nuance to a, in some ways, non-nuanced script. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you want to get into that bit? Yeah, because I don't really have any other likes, to be honest with you. So, this one goes really solidly the way of Rush Hour, where some of the language, luckily, not racially charged, uh, but dude. Well, the one line where her dad is telling them that like the rule is they can't date till they graduate. They can't date till they graduate. And he was talking about how he's delivering a 15 year old girl's baby today. Yep. And he's like, do you want to know what she said to me? And Bianca says, I'm a crack whore who should have made my boyfriend wear a condom. Yep. Problematic as hell. Problematic so as hell. Bad. The, so bad that language. Yeah. I, if like if I had to like summarize the use of language in this movie, I would say that in the nineties it was probably hilarious. And then for now, some people. For some people. For yeah, some people. But this was like the acceptable level of comedy. Like edgy comedy was just being um offensive, but like not like towing the line offensive, just like offensive. Uh and it really aged poorly. Like, they dropped the, the hard R in retard. They had way too many PMS jokes. Oh, yeah. That was a joke that Joey said to Kat in the opening was like, can we make her take our Midal before class yes. now, next time or something? Yeah. And her dad says my insurance doesn't cover PMS when she Hit backed Joey's her car, car into Joey's car, right? So, like, at the time, I think this was just, like, that was the bar for, for jokes. It doesn't, I'm not saying that as, like, an excuse. I'm just saying, like, when we started this podcast, that was one of the things that we were pretty confident was going to not age well in a lot of 90s movies, mm-hmm. was the use of language, especially in jokes, especially about women. And this movie kind of found a way to check all of those boxes in the worst way. Mm-hmm. I also just want to say, like, as an educational piece, that a 15-year-old person 
So a 15-year-old, quote-unquote, crack whore, right? A 15-year-old cannot be prostitute or enter in a commercial sexual relationship because they are not old enough to consent for that type of relationship. So even just calling a 15-year-old a whore in that context, like, is, it's just a problem. Yeah. It's a super huge problem. So that, that really upset me. Yeah. In the moment. That was, that was the worst part about it is in, huh, you know, a, a lot of it again was like with the main characters, especially just the two women characters, Bianca and Kat, having people talk about them in bad ways. It, it was frustrating. And like having Kat flash her teacher when she was clearly not wearing a bra. Just like, or just in general. No, I know, but like, <laughs> especially because of that, it's like, was this really necessary as the way to distract him to get him out? And like, I don't know. I think maybe they were trying to go for like, look, she just doesn't give an F. And it's like, come on, guys, try a little bit harder. You know, also, she's like a clever, smart, independent feminist woman who's going to a very, very reputable, prestigious college, you know? She could probably think of a better way to break him out of school, uh, out of detention than flashing, flashing her, teacher. her teacher, who I think was actually her soccer coach. Yeah, he was. Because that was what she tried to do first, was distract him with game strategy. So, like, they have a pretty close relationship. Come on, you know? It makes me uncomfortable. I'm thinking about all my high school coaches now, and I'm just, like, actually getting grossed out. Yeah. Um, I think the other issue, obviously, I have is... I understand, like, moves the story forward that they're going to pay someone to date Kat, but I have, well, obviously there's issues with that, paying someone to date someone. Yeah. And also just the way that the school talked about Kat, like, I understand it's the taming of the shrew, so they called her a shrew to make that reference, but in general, like, all these people saying, like, she's undateable because she's outspoken, you know what I mean? Well, she could be undateable for kicking a man so hard in the testicles that they have to do a retrieval surgery. Not a, a good look. Not a good look, <laughs> for sure. But um, I don't know. There was just, like, I think problematic language about how people talked about Kat at the school. I mean, consistently, yeah. And also, there was, obviously, I also had issues with, like, Kat's brand of feminism. Mm -hmm. I felt like they were trying to do something there and be like, look at this feminist. She's a strong, independent woman. But it swung way too far the other way. Yeah. Like, in your example, where she's kicking someone in the testicles. And, um kind of almost gets to that, like, man-hating type of feminist. Yeah. It, it's very... What, what we said at the end of it was, if you guys know the subreddit, Men Writing Women, it was very men writing women. Oh, yeah. And it was very 90s men writing 90s feminist woman. Mm -hmm. It's just not reality. No. It was over the top to the point of absurdity and... The detriment of the movie, for sure. I think it was, it was, I'm hoping it was supposed to be satire. Oh, I didn't take it at that at all. I mean, I'm hoping it was, but I don't know. I think it did a, a disservice to feminism it did. In, some, in some regards, you know? And, and it cheapened the otherwise wonderful performance of Bianca and Kat. Yes. I actually thought both of them were really good. And uh, it sucks when you have, these two actors who are given a crap script pour their heart into it and do a really good job. And it's still just like not enough because the, the source material that they're working on is just so mm -hmm. problematic. I also had problems with their dad's parenting, which obviously we have discussed partially like him pitting his kids against each other. Yep. That was a problem for me. I'm not saying he's like a bad parent because of that one thing, but also like 
I think that's a big, a big no, no. Yeah. Um, and well, also I just hate, I hate, hate, hate the idea of a father as a protector of a girl's virginity. Yeah. That's throughout I, this movie. Super hate that. And I feel like you don't see that about men, right? There's never dads trying to protect their son's virginity. It is usually ever. the exact opposite. They're encouraging them to, you know, date around or, you know, have sex or things like that. So like, I just have a huge issue with any of that in general. Yeah. Um, it's not good. And it's not just this movie that does that. There's other forms of media out there that does that. Mm-hmm. But it's bad. It's, it, it is just unequivocally bad. It's just, I really, and they super push that hard throughout the entire film. Like, even um, Bianca, before she's about to go out to that party in the beginning of the movie, before she goes, her dad makes her put on the, the belly, and it's like a fake pregnancy belly and stuff, yeah. basically saying, like, you're going to get pregnant. And also, it's just like, it is a disservice to sex education in general too yep like completely like her dad's an OBGYN. you think he could talk to them about safe sex practices mm-hmm. you think for a, a medical doctor right he'd have a bit more ability to talk about those things in an educational way exactly instead yeah. of a don't do it type of way or a scare tactics way yeah it's not good it's not good i do wonder not explicitly about all of that stuff about her dad but i wonder about some of this stuff if like it was from them relying on the source material, like in the way that the shrew is outcast by society or something, because this is just me being uneducated on Shakespeare. I have no idea. So I wonder how much of that was them trying to be, you know, reliable to the material that they're referencing. But I don't think even if that was the case, it definitely doesn't like excuse any of the decisions that this movie made. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of sex in Shakespeare. Uh, Yeah. So. Uh, no, so I was not talking about that. I was more talking about, like, her being ostracized and, like, some of the character decisions that they made with certain characters. I wonder if it was trying to be, like, sourcing the reference material. I'm not sure. Or referencing the source material. I think some of the things that they were pushing about Kat being undateable came yeah. from the source material. But there's also other ways to do it. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. You know? I'm just curious about that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. it. And it didn't even, like, it wasn't even, like the whole school realized like she wasn't a bad person at the end and she wasn't that bad. It was just Patrick. Yeah. You know, it's not like her reputation changed for the whole school and that doesn't matter. Cause I mean, Kat doesn't care about what other people think, which she says multiple times, but yeah, I don't know. And you know, like I think the thing that I'm struck with again, with this movie similar to rush hour is that some of this stuff that's ex- exceptionally problematic, you could just literally cut it from the movie, not even replace it, just literally cut it. And the movie would just immediately be better. And you wouldn't lose anything. Agreed. You wouldn't lose literally anything if Joey didn't say, can you make Kat take her might all before class? There's other ways to show he's a bad person. Yeah. You literally lose nothing. And, like, it is showing that he's a bad person. That's fine. But, like, he didn't have any repercussions for that. None. None at all. Like, you know, it... And that happens so often that it's like, come on. It was constant. And it wasn't just Joey. It was her dad, too. It was other people. Um, And so I think that's when problematic language is the most ugly. There's no repercussions. It literally adds nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, And it's incessant in speaking about a specific group of human, which is really troubling. And I, I understand maybe that wasn't quote unquote problematic in the 90s, although it was for lots of people, right? It was. But like maybe it was like 
on a grander level, fine, but it's like... Well, it, it was socially acceptable to shit on women. It didn't age well, though, right? So it definitely yeah. soured for me, right? Yeah, I'm that not was trying the point. to, like, hold it to... A higher standard. A higher standard. It just didn't age well. Yep. The other thing, too, that I didn't like was I didn't... Like I said earlier, I didn't really care for Kat and Patrick's relationship. I feel like we learned a lot about Kat, but we learned nothing about Patrick. Yeah. The only thing we learned about him is he took care of his grandfather when he was sick. He didn't go to juvie. But, like, that's it. Yep. I just feel like he was super surface level, and in in return, it made the relationship surface level, and I didn't really care. I wasn't like, oh, my God, I I want them to get together at all. Not like um, Meg Ryan at Tom Hanks in You've Got Mail. Like, there was none of those feelings for me. Oh, my gosh, no, yeah. Where both of them went through a journey, they both, like, had a lot of character development and just personalization shown. Yeah. So, I mean, even the romance wasn't that great for me. Nope. So. Their their paintball date was really cute, though. Yeah, their paintball date was cute. Really cute. But it was just, like, surface-level chemistry. It wasn't, like, yeah. a deep connection. Which is, again, just the actors doing a great job with what they were given, but what they were given lacked in certain regards. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, like you were kind of getting, I think, honestly, it was mostly held back by when it came out. Yeah. I mean, from what I saw in the 90s, it was reviewed really well. It was, people said it was better than its contemporaries, which just makes me worried about how terrible its contemporaries were. Anyway, I think we're beating them around the bush. Do you want to say third? I guess, do you have any other likes, dislikes, squiggle lines? Not really. I feel like also there's a lot of stereotyping. I feel like even Patrick's character was pretty stereotyped as well. Yeah. You know, some of it, I think, just worked to be fair for to- the setting because it was a high school and that's how people talk sometimes, but it was overdone. Yeah, I just, you know, I want to be fair to him, too. Yeah. Like, this whole, like, bad boy stereotype of everyone assumes he went to juvenile detention because of the way he looks, you know, when he didn't actually do that. Could yeah. also be stabbing the frog with a butterfly knife. Or, like, flashing the cafeteria worker with a bratwurst, but still. Yeah. You know. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's a milk for me. I knew it was, I, I knew I didn't like this movie. I couldn't remember details as to why, but I knew it didn't sit right with me when I watched it initially, and... It's still a milk for me. Yeah. For me, the movie was charming. It was fun. It was kind of well acted, right? Had good pacing. That's the one thing I forgot to mention. It did have very good pacing. There's a lot that happens. It's actually a pretty complex storyline. They fit a a crap ton into this movie. It's very Shakespearean where there's people going back and forth with plans and a lot of love triangles and a lot of like manipulating of people's situations. Yeah. Yeah. That felt Shakespearean to me, because um, it is. But it's really held back by its choice of language and, like, the way it portrays women, especially, and just writes about them. So for that, it's a milk for me, because, you know, I enjoyed it. I still had fun watching it when, if you could kind of just, like, look past the really gross parts, but that's not the point of the podcast. Did it age well? No, it didn't age well. It wasn't the hardest milk for me to slog through, but it's still strongly a milk. Yeah. And I think for me, one thing I realized is, like, it was still wicked nostalgic for me. Like, I really have to push through the nostalgic, the the nostalgia of it. I think I kind of, like, watched it at a time in my life where, I don't know, it was what I needed to watch in a way. And so it, like, I, I have extra nostalgic feelings about it. But if I'm being fair to this movie and uh, fair to how it aged, it didn't age very well. And I'm I'm pretty disappointed about it because... It's again, it's similar to Rush Hour. I really, really, really liked that movie. It was the reason that it is a milk is because they made really bad choices 
especially with their leading actors, which really just makes it even worse because it's just so insulting to talented humans. 10 things I hate about this movie. <laughs> Probably have 12 or 13 or 14. Yeah. Anyway, I'm happy we got that over with, though. Yeah. And now you can see a little bit why I didn't like it. I it was so long ago I had trouble articulating what I didn't like about it. Yeah. But I knew I didn't like it. And, and now I feel like I can speak about it a bit more. So like literally if they just dropped the period jokes, it would have been it would have jumped up like considerably. It might not it might not have been a wine, but like literally just like not talking about periods all the time when the girls like did anything that wasn't being a bubbly person would have just dramatically improved the movie. That's how low the stakes were, and they still screwed it up. Come mm -hmm. on. Yeah, and there was still a lot of other problematic things in there, but that's how many period jokes there also were. I know, right? Uh, anyway, that was 10 Things I Hate About You. <sighs> One of these days, I'll get a wine. I feel like you just have a bad taste in movies. I think that's what I'm learning about you as we do this podcast. I'll have to nominate a milk soon. I think what it is is that I uh, have a really crappy memory. <laughs> so I like I like remember like what I felt when I watched it. So I'm like, oh, it must be wonderful because like I, I smiled. Well, that's that famous quote. People don't remember the things that you said. They remember how you made them feel. Yeah, I've seen that floating around the Internet a lot. It's one of those like live, laugh, love quotes, you know, that is honestly the byline of this movie uh, of this podcast for me. I <laughs> literally cannot remember what the movies say, but I can remember how they make me feel. Uh, wow, that's troubling. But you did nominate one that you said was a milk, which was Matilda. So, yeah, I had it's a not all wines for you. <laughs> anyway, what are we going to be watching next? Are you going to help uh, give us another palate cleanser after after a Kyle nomination? I actually don't know if this will be a palate cleanser, but I watch this all the time as a kid. Okay, and I think there's a chance it it can age poorly. Okay, but I I do remember loving this movie. What is it? Who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh. Oh, dip. Yeah. There's oh, literally man. dip in that movie. <laughs> the dip. Yeah. They said they killed the cartoons. I'm, um, I'm like trying to like fast forward through it real fast in my head. You know, I think this has the potential to be oh, a milk just because something might not age well. But if it's not super negative, like this movie was, it's got to be a wine. It's I, super good. I remember loving that movie. And it's got a great cast as it, well. Impressive as hell technology, too. Mm -hmm. That mix of cartoon and real life. That's what their Page Master movie made me think about it. And I was like, I really, really want to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I think that the characters in Who Framed Roger Rabbit are animated with more than four colors. So <laughs> I think that'll immediately help it. I'm excited. I Ooh, remember some high-level stuff that I, we don't have to go into now, but I'm excited about it. And I feel like it's going to make me want to drink scotch on the rocks. So much stuff makes me want to do that. And then I try it and I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> like, <laughs> every time. Every time. Every time. You can't finish it. No. You take I one sip it. and you gag. Yeah, it runs me. Again, a Parks and Rec <laughs> Ben drinks the, <laughs> the Lagavulin and spits it out. <laughs> Oh, God, that's a good scene. But yeah, good pick. I'm excited to watch this one. So yeah, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That will be next Wednesday. And thank you all so much for listening. If you like what you're listening to, please, please give us a rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. That helps us out a ton. You can also interact with us on social media, if you so choose. We've got a Twitter, at WinerMilk. We got a... Uh, what is it? An Instagram mm -hmm. at Weiner Milk Podcast. Mm -hmm. We got a Facebook, facebook.com slash Weiner Milk. Crushed it. Got an email, Weiner Milk Podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. We got a uh, website, Weiner Milk Podcast.com. 
And I think I might have gotten them all. That, I think that's everything. I think that's we finally impressive. got through it all without screwing something up. I mess up the Facebook page every time. So yeah, if you guys like what you're listening to, if you have suggestions for movies, please let us know. We have a listener episode coming out real soon. So get your ideas in and any feedback that you have for us. We'd love to hear it. Otherwise, take care. And we'll see you next week. And um, in the meantime, don't accept any money to date anybody, probably. Yep. Or make period jokes. Life Let's advice. leave those in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-ta for now.